0: Hello everyone, I'm your Kumar, the host of Select Her Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to inspire and empower women to pursue an excellent sales career by filling the gender gap, to live to the fullest of her potential and to achieve financial independence. I will be interviewing amazing successful women sales leaders and entrepreneurs from India and around the globe where we discuss their sales journey, their challenges, their trends, and much more. Let's dive in. Our today's guest is uh, Susan, so I'm happy to have her today. She is having total 20 years experience in sales and uh, 10 years experience in entrepreneurship and overall 30 years experience she has got. She is a managing director for eWomen Women Network. She's also a founder of Unstoppable Women in Business. So she helps a lot of women entrepreneurs to find a real voice. And her favorite business to build 360 degree collaboration. So she's most in- interested in collaborating people, a business, everything. So I welcome Susan. Hi, Susan. Thank you, Falaga. Very nice to be here. Thank you. I just
1: want to know about eWomen Network. Yeah, so eWomen network is a really special networking kind of community for women. You've done networking in the past, right? And and when you say networking, you get this impression is like, oh no, you go into a room and people are pushing business cards at you, you know, this is what I do. Do you need to be, you know, and they're always looking for clients and it, it can be pretty aggressive. Male energy. And so eWomen is takes a more serious approach to how can we as women do what we do best, which is create community and collaboration. We come together, we lift each other up as we also climb. And so we're supporting each other in all of our endeavors. I have been a member of eWomen Network and have got so many really strong relationships, people that I wouldn't be able to be where I am today without it. It's definitely the place I call my networking home because it's been so good to me. And, uh, in, I live in the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina. And so I'm building a chapter within Raleigh-Durham to bring together our local women to do that same type of a thing.
0: Okay. That's nice. I think women need such community, you know. We are, it's innate in
1: our characteristics to be in community with each other. We play nice. like think back when you were a young child, the girls would all get together and they'd play dolls and they were cooperative with each other. You know, where boys were over there fighting and, you know, wrestling. It's like we're totally different creatures. And that's why I, re- I really feel comfortable with this networking group because it is women entrepreneurs with all the same mindset around how to grow their business best.
0: So tell us about how the sales has all started in your life. Oh, how
1: I got into sales? It's a golly. It is so funny. No one ever graduates from school and says, I want to be in sales. Well, right now, back when I started, it was almost like an accidental thing that happened. At the time, I had... Stayed home from working for about five years to take care of my little ones. I was ready to get back into the workforce. I had been in computer sciences and doing things in banking. And I told someone, a friend of mine, that I was ready to get back into um, finding my next career step. And she said, Oh, wait, hold on a second. I really could use some help. You're smart. You're a smart, lady. Come and help me. She was at the time, the Laga. This was before there were CRM systems. This was while ago. She's like, I need somebody to organize all of these, you know, contexts and, and be able to help us understand where, what we need to know about them in order to go the next step in the sale. So she was having me use this silly little program to collect names and to, to kind of purify the database. I started doing that. And you know what the through doing that and being surrounded by the sales team that I was supporting at the time, I watched what they were doing. And I thought, "Oh my gosh." This looks like fun. These people have fun, you know. They work hard, they're focused, they're driven. They're the kind of people I like being around, and they're doing something that they can see tangible results really quickly. And I thought I kind of like to try this, so I did. That's where I started as soon as I could. I became a member of that sales team, made my way up through the ranks, and uh, eventually became a sales leader. And I went into sales learning, and then I was a coach, and the rest is history. So,
0: accident. Oh. Everyone, I think most of the women, uh, they get into sales by accident, I believe. Exactly, yeah. Did you felt any challenges uh, being a woman in sales? Oh, definitely. It's funny because I
1: was part of a Fortune 100 company. so And I was in just one tiny little segment of that company that had over a thousand sellers, right? So we would go to sales kickoff every year and you'd walk into a room that was a sea of men. And there'd be a woman here. And a woman there and a woman here and it was like wow it was such a male dominated it, it's gotten better i think it, i think it's um close to 40 50 now in in the us uh, the fortune 100 companies have women represented on the sales force but at the time that i started it was very small numbers and you know not to say that it was a problem but you have to find your own style because the way the team was led was for the majority of the members, which were male. And that is a male energy, an aggressive kind of approach, right? So Mm -hmm. as a woman, they would be saying, well, do this, do this, do this. And you're like, ooh, I don't know. That doesn't feel right for me. And so I feel that the only challenge of being a female in sales is you do have to listen to your instincts and Mm -hmm. sell in a way that is authentic to who you are and not try to um make yourself into someone who just you can't you can't play that role and be successful you have to sell authentically
0: and i know you do wonderful in podcast of unstoppable women in business you are the founder of it so can you tell about your podcast so or- Definitely. So I founded Unstoppable Women in Business about
1: three years ago based on my desire to take what I've learned from corporate sales and bring it to the entrepreneur. I believe that not only are women underrepresented still in sales and sales leadership corporate wise, when they have that desire to go out on their own, they are also in a minority of uh, business owners. So that's when I, I took everything that I learned about being successful in corporate sales and created a platform for women entrepreneurs to have access to something that they usually wouldn't have access to, that is, you know, usually reserved for really large companies. So in doing that, I needed to do a lot of education. I'm writing a book. It's called "Oh, Shoot!" I'm in sales because people find themselves in sales thinking it's kind of fun, and then they're like, "Oh, wait a minute." what do I do? And so education on what you have to do and how to do it and how you have to think and how you create your style so you can be successful requires a lot of learning, a lot of opening up of mind awareness. So the podcast is about bringing that awareness to women and being able to say, here's something you need to consider. If you're going to become unstoppable, you have to think about things from this perspective and all i'm doing in the podcast is just bringing topics to the table that come up all of the time whether you're in corporate sales or you're an entrepreneur these are the topics that come up for
0: women on how they
1: can be successful in anything that they're doing
0: but what is your advice for uh, women entrepreneurs who are want to start the business
1: we could probably spend an hour on this question <laughs> the okay. because i think that the dangerous part of stepping out on your own and creating your business is not looking at the full picture. For instance, you are so, someone is really good, at, you know they have a desire, they've done it themselves, they're like, "I can do this. This is really cool. I'm going to go out and do it for myself." And they think about what it is that they actually are going to be doing, and they think of that as their business. And unfortunately, what happens pretty quickly is they find out that what you do is a minor percentage of what it takes to run a business, right? So actually, when you're in your starting phases of business, what you do is about twenty 25% of your time. The rest of your time is in building the foundation of your business, building a team or working with people that you need to help you create that container. It's in sales and marketing, 45 to 55% of your time, when you're a new entrepreneur, should be spent in creating visibility awareness and nurturing sales. And that's why I wrote the book because the entrepreneurs are like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. I'm going to work for myself. I, I'm finally free of the corporate structure and I'm going to you know, kill it and make a million dollars. But they soon find out that what they've really done, if they haven't been in sales in the past, they found out, uh-oh, I'm in sales. I didn't even realize I was going into sales and now I am. But here's the thing for people who have been in sales. Let's say you're Shiro, right? They're in sales. Ready, and they're like, "This is going to be easy. I'm, I know how to sell. I can sell myself." But what they've been selling is someone else's product or services. Going out and representing someone else and selling someone else is a whole different ballgame than going out and selling yourself. Way more vulnerable, Falaga. All of a sudden, all those demons in your head that are like, oh, am I worth it? Am I too expensive? Nobody's going to want me. All of these things that when you were employed and selling for other people weren't an issue for you, now you're out selling yourself and you're like consumed with, oh, boy. So you got to save a little bit of your time for working on your mental perspective around what it is and what it takes to really own the value that you bring to the market so
0: that you can sell yourself. (laughs) Thank you, it's about, I think, a uh, company whom you work, it's already established. The yeah. marketing activity is already done. And for your own, you really have to, you know, you have to create build
1: the market. That's exactly it. You have to create it yourself. And the other thing is that I believe, and I'd be curious to see if you have the same perspective. I believe that in order to sell anything, you have to be passionate about not only what you're selling, but about the value that it gives to the person or the company you're selling it to. That's like you can't sell without being passionate. When it comes time to sell yourself, you can be passionate about what you do, but it's the value that it brings to others that you have to just be rock solid knowing that what you help people to the extent that they will be willing to, or get the benefit of it and be willing to pay you what you're asking for your services. That is
0: the trick. I mean, that I work with all my clients on Mm extensively. So you have to help such an extent, you have to give a value, they feel like giving you. That's exactly right. But if you're worried, like, let's say, let's take this to
1: a practical application, okay? Mm Uh So one of the most common ways for people to generate business is to have a funnel, a pipeline that starts with, you know, they do some awareness out there on Facebook, whatever social media source, LinkedIn, then they drive people from awareness to the point where, Oh, I want to see, check you out. I want to see what's happening. Eventually they funnel them into some form of an interaction. It might be a webinar. It might be a, Facebook challenge. It might be a boot camp. There's many ways you can funnel people to that level, right? So let's say you're the entrepreneur and you are building that funnel and and bringing people into your atmosphere, but you're not getting as far as you wanted. Let's say you said, "I'm going to get a hundred people to this webinar so that I can, you know, make my offer and be able to sell and what I'm currently selling." And let's say instead of getting a hundred people, you get twenty people, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, now all of a sudden there's these little voices inside your head and those little voices are going, Oh, well, it must not be that good. Nobody wants me. Nobody needs me. Other people are doing what I'm doing and I, I'm not as good as someone else. And it's these little voices inside of your head that literally erode that confidence in your own value. If you listen to those voices, all of a sudden you've become insecure about what you're offering and the literally the foundation underneath you becomes sand or quicksand and you get sucked into it and you no longer have that passion and that zest. So the trick is when you are an entrepreneur, because you don't have like in corporate, you've got your sales enablement team, you've got your training, you've got a manager coaching, you've got people behind you saying, go, this is good stuff. When you're out on your own, you have to be your own cheerleader. You have to, I mean, obviously you can get a coach and that's, that's what I do for the entrepreneurs, but without someone constantly asking you to, to really up how you're thinking about the situations you're encountering, you're really walking in a tightrope towards success as opposed to a highway towards success. So how to shut up the little voice? My favorite thing to do, there's, process, there's a process to it. It's almost like stages of awareness, Nalaga, because what happens is if you are in the trenches, right? You're doing your work and you're, you're trying to you know, make progress, just like we're all driven. Everyone who's in sales and who would go out and be in sales on their own and is an entrepreneur is like, I'm going to make this work. So you're driven, 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 driven. You're always looking for the next opportunity. What's the next thing I need to do? What happens is you're not paying attention to those voices. They're running subliminally in your head. You don't even realize what's happening, but it is affecting how you are actually showing up. So, the first step in quieting the voice is to hear it. You've got to become aware of the voice in your head that is, you know, it's offering you, in essence, thoughts that are not productive. You're listening to them on automatic. So, the first step is to become aware of your thinking and when it's happening and what's the situation it's happening around so kind of getting quiet being like ah i hear that voice it's telling me this then what you have to do is follow the trail through well when i hear the voice saying nobody wants me i'm not good enough i'm charging too much or you know any of those nasty little things it wants to offer you you're hearing them now now you've got to really think through oh is that true is that a fact or is that a story that I'm telling myself. So now you're dissecting the thoughts. You're saying it's almost like you become the watcher of your thoughts. So mm-hmm. instead of letting them just happen to you, you first become aware of them and then you watch and see what's going on. Well, when I think that thought, when I allow that to happen, what it creates almost like this state of being. I think the thought, "Oh, I'm not worth it." And what happens? You become Uh, the feeling or the state you're in becomes diminished, less powerful, less, you know, kind of like you get small and tight and inward drawn, right? So instead of being that entrepreneur who's out there crushing the world, all of a sudden these thoughts that you're now becoming aware of, you're noticing that they create this like diminished person within you. And then you watch that and you say, "Oh, that's interesting. When I get small, when I get tight, when I get inward because I'm listening to those thoughts and I'm feeling diminished, what can I do? What can I produce? What can I create from here?" Not much. What happens and you've seen it is you procrastinate. You got something in your calendar, you've got a, a block of time. I'm going to call I'm going to call people, I'm going to do these things. You look at that block and you go, Mm, I don't feel like it. So if you are aware that it's the thought that creates that feeling or that state of being that also influences how you show up, the actions you take, now you've got, and, and obviously it'll impact your results. You're not going to get the results you want when you, when you allow this chain to happen. So you interrupt the pattern, you become aware of it, you watch what's going on, and then you interrupt the pattern You say, hold on a second, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Find more authentic thoughts, the things that are true, the things that are not coming from your primitive brain that's just trying to protect you. They're coming from a logical place in your brain where you know your value, you know what you do is good, and you're convinced and, and convicted that what you are offering is amazing. And when you interrupt that pattern and you change to an intentional way of thinking about it... Everything else flows from there. You become feeling confident again and strong. You look at your actions and you're able to take action from that place and you get different results. It is a process, the Laga. It is definitely a process, but it can happen for your folks that are in corporate. It can happen for entrepreneurs. If you don't mind what's going on in here, your sales mindset, there's nothing In essence, the external things that you have to do are completely controlled. The results are controlled by your internal sales mindset. And so you've got to take care of the being, the internal, as well as the doing, the external.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I think it's as you're aware of it, you'll be conscious about what's happening within you. I think half the problem will go away, right? When you yes. acknowledge, yes, it's happening for me. Yes. Yeah. And you know what, too,
1: Falaga, that's so important? Sales is probably one of the most psychological and stressful positions you can be in, in any company. And what happens is we are almost, we beat ourselves up. We we resist in essence we think it's our fault it's like oh i must be faulty i must be not good at this i'm not i'm not as good as that person you start comparing yourself to others instead of doing that if you are if you can just step out of it and say oh wait a minute i know what's going on here instead of you know resisting and being swept up in it get it from a more logical standpoint and say i can i can change this I can change this. It just depends on how I want to look at it.
0: It could change everything. It's I, like I, you have to love yourself. And once you start loving and believing in yourself, mm-hmm. then I think you can come out of this issues.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: And I just want to talk about uh, since you want to support women entrepreneurs, this housewives or homemakers. Yeah, even personally, I want to help us the uh, housewives because. You know, they feel kind of a feeling that they also want to work, but somehow their mindset is like, I have to, family is important. Childrens are important. So they are. what do you think about it? Is it possible for them to come out of it, to find their own voice? What do you think about it? I have
1: so much respect for women who are in the home, taking care of families. You know, that is a job. And there are a lot of amazing skills that they acquire during that time that I don't think sometimes they realize how valuable those skills are. And one of the skills that I think women at homemaking, women have that are incredible is time management. I mean, especially if you've got, you know, a little castle of kids and they've got to be here, there and everywhere, and you've got to keep things in order in the home and food on the table. And, you know, you are a multitasker by nature to be successful in that role you're a multitasker. So then the question would be, Manga, how can you take that skill that you really already are good at and how can you just fine tune it so that you in essence create the container and the space to do both things? Because I I was just working with a client yesterday and she's in that situation. Not only does she have a full-time job, she also is building a coaching practice and she has a family. And she said, Oh my gosh, I have so much I have to do. I'm overwhelmed. And I keep not getting anything done. And so it's almost like what we just talked about with the mindset around sales is the mindset around your calendar and productivity. If you leave it in your head, it becomes so big and hairy and overwhelming that you can't get anything done. Once again, you've got to step outside of it, put everything down, get it out of your head. Right. And that's what we did. We created a flip chart with Everything that she said she had to get done, everything we put them in little buckets. What do you have to do for your family? What do you have to do for your business? What do you have to do for your practice? What do you have to do? Create buckets, right? And then you put in each bucket, what are the things I have to do? And how much time would it really take to do this well? When it came down to it, that we plotted all the things from each of her her buckets into time slots on our calendar, and there was a ton of time left over, a ton of time Mm. because in our head. It's big, it's hairy, and it can't be done. Logically, in from the place of logic, when you look at it in black and white, there are actual spots. Lots of spots. And again, one other client that I work with who works cor- in full time corporate and is starting a practice, a coaching practice, she has to she prioritizes and is reasonable. So here's the that's the other thing is you can't you can do what you can do in the time you have allotted. So figure out how much time you have. Is it four hours a week? Is it 10 hours a week? Figure out what times you have and then be very intentional about what priorities you put into the time that you have available and have realistic expectations. You know, you can't say I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make X amount of dollars or have X amount of clients is this pie in the sky kind of goal. It's like, okay, with the time that I have, how can I progress my business forward one step at a time so that I can get to that end goal, but be realistic week by week on um, what is it you can do with the time that you have available, but just keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the expectation creates the, you know, demotivation, right?
1: That disappointment. A hundred percent, Laga. And again, we are driven people like the women you're talking to are driven people. And so it is our nature to almost push ourselves beyond what's reasonable, but then it demotivates us because then we can't live up to that expectation. So there's a fine line between not setting any goals or expectations at all and over expectation. (laughs) to find the sweet spot where you it's accomplishable, you know, with a little bit of a push, you can accomplish it, but you can stay on track because it's not like I'll never get there kind of a feeling.
0: Mm, I agree. I think once you prepare your mind, okay, this is what I expect. Even if that doesn't come, it's okay for me, right? That's
1: exactly right. You can set the expectation and work towards it. And if it doesn't happen, you've learned a lesson that the expectation was more than I could handle. So what's the next step? right? But you just keep moving forward and you try to be reasonable and kind to of be kind to yourself, please. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kalaga, don't you see? We beat ourselves up so bad sometimes. It goes back again to our expectations of what we've been told. You can do it all. You can have it all. And so we try to set that expectation out there. And when we don't do it, all of a sudden we say, oh, I'm a failure." Oh. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. And then it goes back to that mindset thing. Well, if that's what you think, that's what's
0: going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I've seen uh, in your profile, you also work sometime for uh, unstoppable women in sales. Yes. As a matter of fact, I started,
1: I have another business that's called Beyond ROI and it's a sales research company. So we study women in sales. Oh, we'll study everyone in sales We for large companies. So if some if a large company um, introduces their sellers to a sales training program, we come in to find out, okay, did they adopt what they learned? They came, they learned a new approach to doing their, their work. How successful or effective are they in applying those skills in day-to-day interactions in their sales roles? So we conduct those studies for Really large companies, and I've, we've been doing them for ten years. So at the Laga, the result of that is we have this database of information for well over fifteen thousand salespeople. What's working for them? What are the skills that are making the biggest difference in their business and in moving business forward for their companies? What I noticed as I take a look at the database and we're you know analyzing all of the data is again it is a minor percentage of women that are in my database. So it's like, oh gosh, look at that. Look at how many men are, you know, it's like, why is there such a disparity Mm -hmm. in gender and sales? So when I first started to branch out from, I still run beyond ROI. It's It's one of my core businesses, but here's the other thing. One other step of that story is that when I give information back to corporations about the results of their study. Part of what I do is show them the ROI, how much business has been influenced, which is what they're looking for. Can they justify the money they're spending in sales? But the other half of it is what's going well and how can you get more? What do you need to do to coach and support your people to get more results? And so I give them very detailed information about, okay, here's what's going good. We're embracing this part of what they learned but they haven't been able to do this other part effectively. So I'll point to that and I'll say, what you need to do is create a support and reinforcement strategy. How are you going to use this information to give it to your manager so they can coach, so they can you know, really elevate this part of the program up so you maximize the ROI that you get? So that's part of my process. I enjoy doing it. I go through all of these conversations with very large companies and they say this to me. A lot. They'll say, well, that's nice but we can't get our managers to coach. I'm like, what? (laughs) Okay, so let me get this right. So sending someone to training for two days is to be a magic pill to have them completely transform the way that they are selling. Because if you're not supporting it and reinforcing it, you're saying that what they learned in the classroom, that's all they need and they can go out there and do it. And the problem is it doesn't happen because change is hard. If you're someone out in sales and you've been doing something a certain way, it might not be the best way, but it's the way you're comfortable doing it. And so the training program is asking you to consider changing what's comfortable. And that is not easy. And it requires somebody to support you and someone who can really be able to nurture the change and make it stick, like it become part of your DNA. So, when I noticed that the coaching in corporate sales was not at the level it should be, I thought, wouldn't it be fun? Okay, I'm going to take those two factors. A, there's not enough women who are successful in sales. B, everyone in sales is having a hard time getting the coaching and support they need. What if I put the two of them together and create something called Unstoppable Women in Sales? So, it's coaching and supporting any woman. Um, in corporate America who wants to take it upon themselves to hire a coach and have them work in those two areas, skills and processes and sales mindset. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with women in corporate America all of the time who come to me and they say, you know what, I'm not getting what I need from my manager. I'm willing to invest in myself because I see that if I make an investment in myself, that it will return to me tenfold. I know that I can get to the top of the leaderboard and that's where my you deserve to be in the top 1%, and you can get there. But it doesn't happen by accident, Vaga. It doesn't happen necessarily with the support from your leader. You have to sometimes find someone that you can trust who is an outside party that can be the person who says, hey, here's what I'm seeing.
0: But usually, what is the percentage, uh, Susan? Like maybe 10% the women, <sighs> say, from your report?
1: Ah, so it follows along with the, the statistics that I see. Printed out by the larger sales um, organizations, it's usually about 35, 45%. It's getting up there. It, you, it was 10% when I first started. It's creeping up there. But you know what's not changing, Galaga, is sales leadership. Sales leadership is still woefully, women are woefully represented in sales leadership. They're getting there in the ranks, but they're still not making it up into the manager level. And I think it's going to take a, another handful of years or more before we see that happening. There's a lot of, I've noticed in corporate, the larger corporations, they are starting to create diversity and inclusion officers and within human resources. And they're always looking at sales and they're like, what is going on over here? Where are our women in sales? Where are our women in sales leadership? How can we elevate women in our company? I mean, it's a known problem and there are a lot of the forward thinking companies that are trying to take care of it. But it's going to just take time.
0: Mm. But since you were coaching to women in sales, like, what do you think the key skills women oh. teach? Oh, my gosh. Well, let's first, let's talk about
1: the natural skills, why women oh. are perfect for sales. All right. Perfect. And some of them we talked about when I talked about the e-women network. I believe that there are probably three key, and I, I don't even want to call it skill, but innate characteristics of a woman that makes her more successful. That can make her very, succ- I won't say more successful than a man, but very <laughs> successful. And it's based on what our buyers want from us. All right. So a woman is a very nurturing person today in the environment we're in relationship selling is one of the most successful approaches to selling. People can find information anywhere, literally Google. Right? They don't need you to be educating them. They don't need you to be telling them about what you do. They can look you up. They'll look you up. They'll look your company up. They'll look at your products. They'll talk to other people. They'll go on LinkedIn. They can get information. People will buy from someone, and I know it's cliche, they will buy from someone who they like and trust. But in order to get someone to like and trust you, you have to build a relationship with them. And we are relationship beings, we are nurturers. We are people who are in relationship and enjoy being in relationship. We're not out there looking for blood in the water, you know, like, oh, like a shark. Oh, blood in the water. Go grab that sound. No, we know how to nurture a relationship and be able to move it forward. The other thing is from the standpoint of being community driven. So from the time that uh, women were in I'll I'll call it in the caves, but in old, old, old times, women were the ones that rallied people together and said, "Okay, we're going to we're going to take care of the kids. Everyone has something to eat. We're going to." That was the goal for the female in a community. Well, translate that into sales. It takes a village to create a sale. I believe that if you can rally people together, not only your team within where you're selling but also the multi-person decision making is the common way to get to decisions now in sales that happened when over the course of time when we've had busts and the internet bust and things went down it was harder to get decisions they brought more people into the picture so what we're talking about here is a woman's ability to create community and bring together all of the parties from the clients as well as the company she's selling for to move the deals and create, in essence, collaboration, which is the third thing. So it's it's can you collaborate? If there's a give and take to our nature, we know how to collaborate with people in order to move the process forward. Where, you know, maybe the energy is more of this is the way it's going to be. And they're, you know, kind of willing to, I don't want to use the word manipulate in a negative way necessarily, but a man is more like what's in it for me and how will I get to the end result? And it's like, how can I make this a win-win situation? How can I collaborate with everyone so that everyone benefits from this? So those are the characteristics that I think are just like women bring to the table and can lift their uh, results so well. So that's it. Now, the other thing, because of those characteristics, the skills that are important are being, and this is, I'm telling you, lot. this is the one that I think I see from the results and the studies we've done is talking to the key stakeholder, like not being timid and going to lower level and selling at the lower level. Okay. But being able to go up to the decision maker level and sell at the right level. So while you have to create a team, you have to get all these people involved. You have to nurture the relationships, the skill is for you not to sell at the wrong level, but to earn the right to get to the top level and sell to the person who has in essence, in essence, the financial buying power. Because no one can sell for you. perhaps I see a lot of times that really holds people back from being successful in corporate sales is that they are just glomming on to anyone they can get anyone's attention and trying mm-hmm. to that level. And then what they find is that the person they're trying to sell to is not a buyer. they're not a decision maker, they're a coach or they they're playing another role and then they rely on that person to take their information to the level of decision and that never works out well. Nobody can sell as good as you can. So that's the one skill that I have to say is absolutely critical to get good at is to understand who is your financial decision maker and how can you utilize your skills around creating community and relationship to get to that person to sell. Here's the other thing to up. Another skill is communicating from the buyer's perspective. Always. Here's the thing. We know our stuff so well. We know exactly what we're selling. We live in our world around the value of what we bring and what we do and all the features, all the benefits, all the bells, all the whistles, all the things our marketing department gives to us. And it is boring as hell to your buyer. They don't care about any of that. Selling at that lower level around what it is you do and what you bring to the table is how you can actually turn off your customer because you're not talking about them. You're talking about yourself. It's where you're comfortable. So once again, I call it the value pyramid. The bottom layer of the pyramid is all about you, your products, your services. Above that level is the level of what is it, what is it your buyer wants to do more than anything else? What is it that they will be judged on in their to be successful in their role, to move their company forward? What challenges do they have? What do they have to do different in order to achieve those objectives? And the top of the pyramid is why is that important? Like, what is it? So what do they need to do? Why is it important to them? If you keep 80% of your conversation above that line where you're talking about what's important to them, what they need to do differently and why it's important and bring up just a little bit of how you help them bottom of the pyramid, you will be connected to your buyer in a way that is just just—it's gold. That's when they trust you because you get them. You know what they need, you understand their world, they can clearly hear that you understand their world, and you've got a solution that you can plug in. That's when you can talk about your solution, is once they know that you understand their biggest challenges, then you talk about your solution. So, flipping the script on how we, in essence, communicate to the buyer, making sure it's 80% about them, 20% about you. Mm,
0: it's like what is important, why it is important, how you make them
1: to get what they want. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And I have to say the reason why a good number of people do not sell that way is because their comfort zone, what they know best is what they do. So Mm -hmm. they end up talking about, you know, Hey, I've got this great product. I've got this great solution. It's, you know, it's best in breed It is, you know, they get into the itty bitties, you know, (laughs) and no one cares. Like they hear the same thing from everyone. But if you start talking about, you know, I understand where you're headed. I know what your company needs in order to be successful. I know the challenges you're facing. Other clients are facing the same thing. And this is what, you know, so all of a sudden they're
0: like, whoa, you're talking about me? I'm interested in that. Uh, I want to hear about that. I want to talk about uh, what's your daily habits which others can follow? Because I believe that is very
1: important. I'll start from how I plan my time because I do run... I run two businesses, plus I run the chapter E Women, so I've I've got a lot on my plate. Mm -hmm. And I think that similar to what I was talking about with my client, it's managing the buckets of time from a priority standpoint instead of so being proactive instead of reactive. So I have something called Monday Hour One, the first hour of my week. I am literally doing a thought download of every single thing that I know has to quote unquote, get done this week. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff in my mind and I am just writing, 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 writing. I put them into buckets, but you know what the log of magic comes from pulling out the priorities. So there's, let me put it this way. There are activities that you need to get done that are what I call passive action. I need to update my website Oh, that one part of my website. I really want to change that. And there's this one thing over here on my LinkedIn profile that I'd love to just like kind of clean that up and get that. That is what I consider passive action because it is very distant from the bottom line, which is making money. Okay. So there's the making money is the bottom line. Those things are kind of up here. The further it gets down the list towards the making money, like making calls to people and creating proposals and, you know, the things that are going to tip over and create, those are the higher priority items. All right. So what I do is after I've downloaded everything that I need to do, I kind of put it on a scale of how far away is it from the immediate revenue generating bottom line? And the further away it goes, I put those in the calendar last. You know, I might not get that LinkedIn profile update. Is it going to kill me? Not really. Is somebody going to not buy from me because I, I don't have this most smashing, you know, LinkedIn profile? Probably not. It's a nice to have. I'm encouraging it. I'm not saying it shouldn't be done, but I'm not going to put that above something else. So I create my priorities based on how is, massive action, which is generating revenue. And then I schedule. And here's the key. This is, this is kind of interesting. Every day I do three things. That are massive actions towards moving my business forward. So, if you do three things every day, that's fifteen things in a week. Fifteen times five is sixty actions. Right? See before, but you know what I'm saying. By the end of the month, you've had. I mean, taken massive action in your business, and you will see changes. You will. You may not get everything, but what you're doing is the things that matter. So that's how I kind of look at how I spend my time and how to prioritize things. But I will also say that I think it's important for you, like if you're doing those three massive actions in a day, you also need some bucket time. Like you've got to create space in your day so that you have the energy to be able to do the things that are critically important. So starting out your day well, all those things that all the people tell you, getting good sleep, making sure you're eating well, making sure you're exercising, they all got to be slotted into. But the more efficient you get at it, the more you see that it's it's possible to do it.
0: So it's like um, every day you plan three
1: massive action which you're going to come with. Three a day. That makes it 15 per week. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the week, then I take a look and I say, did I do them? You know, how what results did it create? And then I start over again the next week. Okay, well, what's the most important thing that I can do this week? What are the 15 things? Three a day. And then I fill in the rest of them from the
0: lower priority items. Okay. Just curious to know any three massive action, can you say? I just want to know what do you mean by massive action? Yes.
1: Excellent. Absolutely. So for me, a massive action is I, I keep my CRM up to date. So I know exactly where my people are in the pipeline. I would go to the stage right before selling, which is a hot lead. And I would make personal contact. I would reach out, try to get a, a conversation with someone, create an email. So it's like, who are my closest to the, you know, tipping over the edge to become a client? And I would, I'd say I'm going to, I'm going to spend one hour. So that's, you know, and maybe the goal is cr- touch 10 people in the hot lead category. So that's one massive action, right? So, and I work my way backward from there. I've got to um, creating a podcast. Okay. So is that a massive action or a passive action? It's kind of middle of the road because in order to get people into my pipeline, the, the visibility is important. Now, it's not as important as making those calls for the people that are right there. on But maybe the next thing I do is work on creating my podcast for the week so that I'm pushing people towards that end of the line. So it's, yeah, creating proposals, following up on sales calls, doing networking. They are, to me, they all fall in line with moving moving people forward.
0: Wow. One thing really I learned is uh, the revenue. You have to take massive action, which is going to give you a revenue. That's right. <laughs>
1: that's a lo- learning for me. The difference between massive action and passive action sometimes is massive is a little bit scary. It's like, ooh, and you know, when you're scared to do something that it's probably something that's going to be really big for your business. Mm-hmm. So think about it that way. Passive action is what you do when you're buffering, when you're procrastinating, and you don't want to do the things that are scary. You do passive things that are not scary. It's like, oh, this is easy. I can, you know, I can go out there and, and juice up my LinkedIn profile. That's easy. So if you look at it that way, it's, it might be an easier way for you to determine whether or not you're doing something that's massive and important revenue generation or if you're buffering and avoiding the things that make you scared that's passive action and you want to stay out of that zone as much as i
0: think it's mainly which you want to put as a last priority i think that is should be a massive action because it's really risky and i don't want to do it that if we want to avoid and put it in the last priority but that is what you have to put as a 100%, 100% to grow, you've
1: got to do things that are just a little bit scary, and that's where the mindset work comes into play is why am I looking at this as scary? Is that really true? There's nothing scary about making a sales call, you just pick up the phone and you create a relationship. It's just how you look at it.
0: Just one line
1: What do you think is your secret of success? Oh. You know what, the Laga, I'm going to lean into this that just came to mind right away because I was talking to my book editor this morning and she said to me, you know, you're so reliable. Like every time we have a call, you show up on time. I don't have to worry about you not being there. You've done your work. She goes, that, that's not what I always see. And I'm like, really? You're kidding. I would never think of not being reliable. The Laga, it's consistency. It's doing what you're you're going to do. It's being aware of what's holding you back from doing it and continuing to grow and just not be that person who says, I want to do something. You're the person who's like, I can do this. I'm moving forward with this. What's next? What's next? What's next? And nothing stops you. Nothing. So I think it's the determination and kind of the reliability. I really respect myself for that. And it's not something you think of often, but she had just said that to me this morning. I'm like, yeah, that's who I am. That's who I am. And one more secret is you want to give value. I do. I believe we talked about this. I believe that in this day and age, this is where I get just a touch on the woo woo side. I believe that you just keep pushing value out like waves into the world. You just give, give, give give, give, give. And it doesn't necessarily come back from the place that you expect it to come back from, but yeah. the more you put out, it comes like a wave. It comes back from you from unexpected places. And it's so
0: much fun. It's so much fun to see happen. That's the good point. Like we give, give more, but we expect the way we want that It doesn't to happen that way. It doesn't happen. <laughs> oh,
1: I like, give you all this information. Why aren't you buying from me? You know, why aren't you buying from me? Well, sometimes they will, and sometimes they won't. And that's okay because Sometimes it comes in from the side and you're like, where did you come from? And all of a sudden you have a new client that you haven't nurtured the way you've nurtured someone who said no to you. And that's okay. But it's the whole vibration of what you put out into the universe. If you keep that positive and you keep adding value to the universe, it will, it has to come back to you.
0: It's, it's called as cost and effect. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. Not come from the ex person who you've given value. It will come from the Y person.
1: That's exactly.
0: And exactly. finally, I know your podcast is really going well, and uh, you're writing a book. But do you suggest any podcast or? books? Oh, you know, I, there's so many,
1: I think you need to find the ones that speak to you the most, but from a marketing standpoint, I love Amy Porterfields. I think she's amazing at what she does in helping course creators, you know, market and such. I also like the life coach school from Brooke Castillo. I'm certified through her and all of the mindset things that I've been talking about came directly from um, Brooke's thought leadership. A lot of people Speak from that area. Another good one is Brendan Burchard. There's so many good ones out there. If you look up one of those, they'll give you a lot of other ones. (laughs) And we're looking forward to your book soon. Thank you. Thank you. It's coming out in November. Knock on wood that I get it finished this weekend. (laughs) Okay. All
0: the best. Thank you, Susan, for your time. It's wonderful. A lot of learning. Thank you. Thank you, Thalaga. It's been a joy to spend time with you. Thank you for listening to Sell Like Her podcast. Do subscribe and share it so that it reaches the maximum women to get benefit by listening to successful women's stories. Let's join together and support each other to change the field of sales. Meet you in the next episode. Until then, bye. Take care.